I was looking at the local racing calendar uh, for next weekend, gentlemen, mm-hmm. and it's open. So I was thinking we should put on a race. We should put on a overnight gravel track lacrosse time trial hammer climb sprint barbecue festival. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, good evening, gentlemen, and welcome to the golden episode of the Yeah You Ride podcast. We have reached episode 50. Wow. Cheers yes. to that. Yes. Yeah, cheers, 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 cheers. and golf claps. And you, sir, are? I am the Bodie Bodie drinking a lime cucumber ghost from our sponsor, Urban South Brewery. And hello, gentlemen. This is the T-Bone. And this is Sir Cheerio drinking a Holy Roller from our sponsor, Urban South Brewery. Oh, well, if we're talking about what we're drinking, I'm drinking an iced coffee in my number one dad coffee mug. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Thank you very much. I didn't know you had kids. Uh, yes, you did, Bodie. No. I-, I didn't know your kids had more than one dad, that you had to be designated number one. <laughs> it's number one of all the dads in That's the entire good, world. That is um, good. Also, is that a titanium straw uh it is a metal straw it's not titanium all right mm. all right i'm into Stainless it steel is it, oh, it oh is it reynolds 953 it's not no columbus that would, that, that it, would uh, be a slightly larger gauge <laughs> this is it's not that bicycle looks like a, a a chain st- no a seat stay on some bikes that's the, the size of a seat stay on a very mm. tiny bicycle but yeah no we are uh doing the environmentally sound thing and we have the reusable metal straws yeah in our I'm house into, now i'm into it i i've been drinking my iced coffees to go from coffee shops with just no lid um it's been a little bit treacherous driving around and sipping from the iced coffee and spilling it but i'd rather do that than uh, use a straw you could do a reusable cup mm-hmm. that uh, has a with lid. a metal straw do you take that to the coffee shop i do Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, enough about coffee and the environment, because we don't care. Um, coffee news. Ho sbagliato tante volte ormai, che lo so già. Che oggi quasi certamente sto sbagliando su di te. So, guys, we're uh, writing off Chris Froome for the Giro, right? Am I right? This That's what we did. We wrote what we did last week. Yep. Yeah. Along with everybody else in cycling media, so I don't feel too bad. Yeah, but we all do collectively have a giant ostrich egg on our face now. Splat. Yeah. Quite a comeback. Um, to quote George Bennett, Froom <laughs> pulled a Landis, eh? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, which was uh, a, a, a a quote uh, that definitely maybe got him in some hot water or maybe stirred up some controversy, uh, S- so much the, so that he had to explain it a few times. Yeah, set the internet on fire. Yeah, bit. I mean, 
But whatever. But yeah, that, that I think was he, a, I got yeah respect for the super yeah. hot take, man. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> was, you know, that's that's um, that's about as flaming as they come, huh? Yeah, yeah, and I think like you know he walked that back a bit, like oh we can't compare one writer to another. It's like I think when you say pulling a Landis, uh, there's definitely a connotation to that. The connotation being that Landis, this is before my time, but he made an amazing comeback. He was down so many minutes. Obviously, he late, cracked. He, he cracked the day before. Completely cracked. Came back, won the tour, later yeah. was found guilty of... Yeah, the so the next day he so. came back and gained, I think, 13 minutes. He soloed. Yes. Similar to Chris Froome. And this was, in, in, in defense of Bennett, this was what he was saying. This is how he walked it back. He was right. basically saying it was reminiscent of what happened with Floyd Landis. He lost time uh, one day, and the following day went on an extended solo attack. I think it was even longer than Froome's. Uh, in don't remember the stage of the of the tour and took yeah. the yellow jersey back and kept it for the rest of the way. So, in 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 terms of pure fact, leaving aside the the doping allegation part of it, in terms of pure well, fact, well, similar it wasn't a doping pattern. allegation. Well, it was Landis doping fact doped. in the end. Yes, of yeah. course, sorry. Yeah. So you're, you're you're saying the allegation from Bennett that Froome is doping, which a lot of people when they saw that Bennett said that were like, yes, that's exactly what we're saying. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, this is, if you take it straight, uh, objectively, Froome is down, what, four minutes? No, uh, three minutes, 20. I think he was down 3.20 on Yates. But, well, you know, at one point he was, uh, to, uh, to Bodie's point, at one point he was over four minutes down. He made up some of that in the time trial. That's right. Uh, went into the stage that we're talking about, stage 19, Um about three minutes 20 down i think at that point yeah and two minutes and 50 down on dumoulin but in solos from 80k yes to win and take how much time on dumoulin 40 seconds because he got the 10 bonus seconds and then you know an extra 30 as well so yeah he, so to look at that to look at that just straight the facts of the race it's a phenomenal feat Physically, it's amazing. It's it's something that we want to see in a bike race, but there are so many. <laughs> but then we do see it, and we're like, wait a minute. I mean, there's so many. Because we don't see that very often. Yeah, we don't see that very often. Also, because it's Froome, if it was Dumoulin, or if it was Yates who did that, it might be a little bit different. But because it's Froome, and because of his current adverse analytical finding, which is not a positive for doping, but this case had sitting over his head, and right. Sky and their issues over the years, and mm -hmm. David Brailsford's uh, double speak, who uh, it it just doesn't sit right with a lot of people. Um, right, and I don't know honestly how I feel about it. I I don't know that I know I don't know any more than anybody else, so I can't really offer any sort of like conclusions or give evidence or really try to sway anyone. But I just know that this. These three tours in a row that he's won is amazing, but it's always going to kind of have an asterisk next to it in the record books, whether or not he asterisk the, the goal, huh? Asterisk the goal. Yeah, uh, I think. Well, there's a couple of things to think about that stage. One thing was Yates cracked the day before, and everybody could kind of smell blood there, right? They all knew that wait, Yates was. I mean, Yates had, the, Mitchelton, Scott, and Yates had taken a really bold strategy of, we're going to front load this Giro, 
we're going to take we're going to vacuum up as many seconds as we can before the time trial and then hang on for dear life i mean they'd even said so much and i think that kind of the opposite of dumoulin's strategy last year right which is backloading it i mean and, and dumoulin knows that he can time trial and That's there was right. a time trial on the last day so he he always had that going ahead and so yates buried himself in the time trial did probably his best long tt that he's ever done and all those i think you know you got to say all those efforts beforehand he'd won three stages he could have won four stages if he you know hadn't gifted that one to chavez you know he could have been it could have been four stage wins for him it's effectively four stage wins because he got a gap on them on everybody um it's a lot of work and a lot of like top end work to be doing and it's a three-week tour and i think you know we got to see not only did so then that next day after he lost half his lead he was had about a minute right 50 odd seconds and he lost like half of that um and that was Froome and dumoulin really digging in on the day before and then it comes to the finestri stage and sky put everybody on the front on that climb on the finestri climb and popped yates and, then, and he was well he he was they popped him and he was he was gonna pop and he popped fairly early on that on that climb it was way before they got to the gravel and yeah. then yeah, yeah i mean clearly sky had a plan that day uh which it was a hail mary wasn't it I it mean, was really. a bit of a hail mary but it was one that i think they believed in to some certain extent i don't know that you could ever believe that it was going to happen as perfectly as it happened or that Froome was going to ride as well as he did. But the fact that it was part of their plan, to me, does tend to mitigate in favor of it being fair play. In other words, if it comes out of nowhere and it's not part of some big team plan and you know you just have a rider for your, for your team one day that just goes on this sort of epic solo... Yeah, maybe that starts to look more suspicious. But when you've actually sat down and, and, and plotted it out the night before, to me it seems to be more part of uh, an, an honest game plan. The thing that nobody's really talked about that I think is interesting is not just how well Froome rode that day versus how he'd been riding previously in the Giro, but how well Sky as a team rode. Mm-hmm. We talked on the podcast last week about how this Giro has been wide open because of the absence of that sort of prototypical sky train right. that you've seen in Grand Tours in the past. Well, they brought that train on uh, on the Finestra stage, and that really was what popped Yates and helped set Froome up for that move. But, so you know, we've never before? seen Sky put that train on, you know, the third mountain from the finish. That's that's we've never seen them do that before. Go do it that early, and I guess you know. And Froome had said, "Look, if I need to, if I've got this much time to gain on him, I have to go off this mountain." That's true. Also, yeah, he was he was so far back. Uh, what did he have to lose? Too, it's like he, he doesn't did, want second or third. He's not yeah, interested. Yeah, he's won four Tours of France. Well, I guess the point I was making when I talked about you know Sky as a team performing really well that day is 
maybe this isn't quite so much about Froome and the possibility of salbutamol or Froome doing something. Maybe this is more a systematic, what did Sky have for dinner the night before or breakfast that morning <laughs> the kind whole of team. question. Yeah, because yeah. they all looked really yeah. strong. But we've seen them do this before in the tour where, where they'll save a particular climber for the last week where they'll save. I mean, like white poles didn't look great early on in the race and then really started to come into it when they on the Zonkaland stage. Um, you know, and then Froome had that drop, lost some time the day after that. I, I, yeah, I mean, it's who, who knows? We don't know. It's we don't know. It's well, all Matt, speculation, but I'll tell yeah. you what, it was an amazing piece of theater to watch that stage. Yeah, I, you sort of broke it I down a bit, agree Matt. I agree with you on that. It was, yeah, absolute theater. And, 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 and just getting back to the nuts and bolts, you sort of broke it down. You know, Froome gained a minute plus on the descent. Yeah. You know, on that first descent, he gained over a minute. And then he gained more time on the set, on the next descent. So, yeah. I mean, you know, you gained that, time. He gained too. more time descending than he did ascending. Also, right. and didn't Dumoulin sit up and wait for Reichenbach I to come back? Who he was thought, waiting for Pino to come back because Pino descends more slowly than well, the others. Did Dumoulin, but Pino Dumoulin was with, said so, Pino descends like, no, Dumoulin said that uh, Reichenbach descended like a grandmother. Yeah, well, I think, you know, we so talked. It, but it, that's like another factor to add to that, like, you know, yeah. He's descending faster. They're waiting. All yeah. those add up to time that Froome is gaining. So, well, Matt, Matt, you and I were talking on our our ride this morning, mm-hmm. um, just uh, over the handlebars of the of the bike, that uh, perhaps that was a tactical error that Dumoulin made, yeah. waiting and not going on his own as well, because it really wasn't the sort of stage where. He got a whole lot of help by waiting for anybody. It was only a couple people he was waiting for. It wasn't like he was waiting for some huge group where he was going to hide in the wind through that, uh, hide out of the wind through that valley. No, the Pozzavivo group was way back. And that was another thing. Pozzavivo cracked before Froome attacked, before, you know, before, you know, that moment. Kenny Ellison just like lit it up for about a kilometer. Kenny Ellison looked like he was charging up the Rouge Roubaix uh, Big Bertha climb, the way he was smashing the gravel. <laughs> yeah, he was he smashing. Was, he was he, really hitting it. It was cool. To I don't see. know if he could smash gravel because he he weighs about like eighty pounds, but um, he was definitely uh, uh, hammering the gravel. Yes. Yeah, both he and Walt Poles. I don't know if you saw you guys saw this, but he and Walt Poles. Both published their power numbers, at least, you know, purportedly their power numbers uh, for the work that they put in for Froome. Now, maybe this was deliberately done by Sky as a bit of a PR to say, like, hey, look, this is legit. Here are our numbers. This is how we did it. Um, yes, you know, totally. So, but, but they did. Uh, and unless those were made up, I mean, they were solid numbers that they put in, and it was legitimate work that they were doing for Froome. Now Froome didn't publish his power numbers. No, but they, yeah, they would. had his numbers on the on the broadcast, and it was stuck at three fifty. The it was always three fifty. Yeah, Every time is... they showed it, it was three fifty. And those numbers are always like rounded off on that thing. And you don't know like how what's the delay and like it's always yeah. It's who knows. And someone said if you're not showing percentage of like threshold, then those numbers don't mean anything to you. Or yeah, if you're not showing uh, it as power to weight, yeah, or whatever, or, yeah. but. I mean, people can figure that out. They can figure out what Froome weighs, so they can get an idea of that. But, yeah, to the point that with Dumoulin, I think, yes, he should have just kept going on his own because 
there wasn't they, he wasn't getting the help that he needed with that group and he would have been better tapping out his own time trial tempo rather than trying to work with them lopez and carapaz weren't doing anything at all and then yeah. they really and those guys ended up kind of and pino the three of them really ended up screwing it up for him on the last climb because they just kept attacking him yeah they kept attacking him um so he would have probably been ahead of all of them and could have just ridden his own tempo and maybe he could have saved that 40 seconds who knows quite uh, possible yeah if he's just in his solo just don't i mean he does that sometimes you'll see dumoulin ride climbs on his own and not worry about what people do and he did it on the last climb too that they, they attacked and he eventually just brought them back guys here's an interesting question for you let's assume for the sake of argument that dumoulin doesn't make the decision that he made to wait and he goes on his own mm. and he makes up that time and he is in pink at the end of the Fenestra stage instead of Froome. Yeah. And ultimately consolidates that the following day by uh, riding with Froome, finishing with Froome to where there's no change in the standings after stage 20. Yeah. Uh, goes to Rome in pink, wins the Giro, second Giro in a row that he would have won under those circumstances. Froome still has exactly the same performance that he had, except for the fact that he doesn't win the Giro because right. Dumoulin rides a little bit harder. Are we having this conversation right now? Is anyone saying, you know, what's Froome on? Is this, you know, tainted, this or that? Or are we celebrating point. Tom Dumoulin yeah. as a great racer? That's a very good point. That's yeah. a good point. Um, I, you know, what? I mean, whatever, whatever, we, whatever comes out down the road, if something happens, if he fails a doping test from this or whatever at this moment there is we don't have any evidence of anything that was wrong with that stage what we saw was an audacious attack uh and i mean it really very rarely see anything like that we've seen contador do some stuff like that you know contador attacked in the vuelta and uh and won uh we've you know we've we've seen this happen before you know, I think in the 80s, Claudio Chiapucci attacked from 125k to go and, and won. You know, that's... Yeah, one of the things I think is that it is such, not a relic of old style racing, but, you know, modern Grand Tour racing for the last at least five years or so has so much been about these little, you know, little time gains, little this, little yeah. that, riding under control. You know, stare, you know the, the typical Froome staring at his power numbers and riding within himself, uh, that we just hadn't seen a ride like this in such a long time that we tend to think that it doesn't happen anymore in racing unless dot, dot, dot. Right. But it does happen. It can happen. It has happened in the past. Yeah. And we saw Sagan go from 50K in, yeah. in Paris-Roubaix. You know, I mean, okay, he, uh, he bridged across to a breakaway group but you know it's it, it's also still, a one, we've seen tom one day race we've seen tom bonan do that in paris roubaix we've seen cancellara do that in a little paris bit different roubaix. i think though. yeah yeah well it, i mean it is there. different it's a one day race but you got to well, also just, remember that those guys have been racing all the classics too it's not the same as a grand tour i mean a grand tour is a war of attrition and a war of what have you got left at the end or of apparently weeks? to chris Froome, you ride yourself into shape no yeah, attrition you, at all. I don't did know. You, I think I would I would argue the other way though. I would say other people rode themselves out of shape. Definitely. That well, definitely happened. I mean, we saw that we saw that with Yates and we saw that with Pozzavivo and, and we saw Pino. that with Pino the next day. Pino just completely 
I mean, the wheels came off that train. Well, well and Bodhi, his lungs you, came out. Yeah, you and I, Bodie, <laughs> were talking earlier about the the Philippa York uh, article uh, that you and I both read, um, and 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 she very clearly said, uh, "You do not ride yourself into shape in a Grand Tour. There is no such thing as that. It just physiologically is not something that 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 happens. You absolutely ride yourself out of shape, no matter who you are." Um, you know, where you start, you will inevitably um, be feeling worse at the end of three weeks than you did at the beginning. And so there's this, this whole idea of riding oneself into shape. That may be something that as amateur cyclists we do over a, you know, a, over a, a good solid week of riding. But as a pro, uh, she says there's nothing to that. So, But, it, I mean, that's a, that's a phrase that announcers use all the time. So... Yeah, I, I don't really know. Yeah, I, I think it's like in in comparison to everybody else or whatever. Like you've measured your efforts better. You haven't gone into the red as much. I mean, Froome obviously went into the red on the Zonkalan, um, and he paid for it the next day a bit, you know. But I, I, uh, and some riders, I don't know. I mean, we. Well, this yeah. was a super super hard Giro. Okay? It was a super hard Giro, and it was demonstrated by Yates cracking as hard as he did. Pino cracking as hard as he did the following day. But I do have one final observation about that. And I'm not defending Froome and I'm not, you know, I'm not, don't know which side of this I come out on. I sort of feel like Bodie said earlier. I don't know how to really take it. I hope that it's all legit. Uh, I hope that it doesn't become a story. But I will say this. Think about the, the you know, the two guys that have demonstrated, uh, uh, the two guys of the top five or six in this race that have demonstrated that they have what it takes to win a three-week grand tour. Yep. That's Chris Froome. That's Tom Dumoulin. Yep. They finished within 40 seconds of each other right. in this race after three weeks of racing. And it was the guys that have never demonstrated an ability to win a grand tour that found themselves cracking in this epically hard Giro. So yes. there is some sort of honesty to that assessment when you look at the guys that have proven they can do it they were able to do it in this Giro right so yeah and I'm sorry you guys don't believe in miracles <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all right so we move on yeah well a couple more things on the Giro uh I think this was a breakout moment for Sam Bennett and we haven't seen He's always been a nearly man uh, before, and this this was, you know, just, I mean, I think it's really interesting, especially I think probably for a sprinter, is getting that big win then gets you more wins. You've suddenly got the confidence to get those, to, to do that. He got three wins. Three wins. Yeah. Viviani um, had four. Four. So right behind him, I mean, that's, yeah. that's comparable. Yeah, and... Actually, well, well, we all know the world's greatest sprinters were all in California, yeah. the Tour of California this year. But they were, and but Sam Bennett, they were, proved, they were. Sam Bennett definitely showed he was stronger in that final hundred meters than anybody in that race. I mean, he would come from from nowhere, and then once he got more patient, and just like I'm just going to sit on Viviani's wheel because I know I've got the power to come around him at the finish. I mean, I think. He often went too early, you know, just chose a wrong line. He's being too anxious. And now I think he's got that confidence that, hey, yeah, I can, I can really do this. I have the numbers and, uh, and then it's all, but it's also having the technique and having the patience to wait as a sprinter. I think that's a, that's gotta be a big deal too, right? So I think that was, this has been a breakout moment for him. 
Does that does that segue us? Sorry, Townsend. Well, no, I was going to say, yeah, I, would, I think that does segue us to the to the Giro Fantasy because Matt, you won our Giro Fantasy League and you won it riding the back of Sam Bennett. You had two sprinters in the Giro Fantasy Classic. I mean, it was a bold, you know, uh, it was a bold strategy and it paid off. Who were your GC men? Dumoulin, Yates, Yates, and Yates, and and Dennis. Dennis? Who won? So Dennis got me some points early on and also in the time trial. I knew he was going to do well in both time trials. Uh, Well, Dennis never cracked. He finished never top really, 10. Never really. No, he finished just outside, I think. Oh, I just outside. Yeah, I think he finished just outside the top 10. Uh, so I'm looking at your uh, your fantasy squad. I did yeah. see that Nicholas Egg <laughs> got zero put points. a big old egg on your scoreboard. I still won. Yeah, exactly. No, I just thought it was it was funny that. The yes, the egg, one guy that I said was going to win a stage because he'd looked really good in the Tour of Croatia. Hey, I did mean, nothing. Townsend and I, had we went all on the. The pink Pantano. Do y'all remember the pink Pantano phase? Wow, that that resulted in so yeah. Which and both of them on the same team, and it was nothing for Trek Segafredo, was there? Yeah, really was was Rambia terrible. didn't couldn't finish the job at all. Uh, yeah, they had they not a good Giro. So let's look at the overall standings in our league. We had Matt Kiten first, Jaden coming in strong in second, and I believe Jeremy. This is. Mm. Late the surge. podcast, Jeremy, right? Late yeah. surge, because I think he had uh, the Froom dog. He had Froom, yeah. And right behind him in fourth place is my girlfriend. Yeah. Um, out of the podcast, <laughs> I came in last. Uh, Townsend, you beat me by, I don't know, a good 160 points. Yeah, you so. and I were neck and neck there for a while. We had a very similar team, uh, but uh, I don't know, Bodie. I just feel like uh, Matt has really established himself as I'm a grand, the, I'm a tour. I'm a, I'm a week-long and grand tour uh, fantasy racer. I mean, I had Dumoulin. I had Yates, mm. but I, I, didn't, I didn't have a sprinter. Uh, and I had Lopez, who really... What happened to Lopez? Well, well he, uh, you mean he won? He ended up on the podium, and he won the white jersey? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but, but, uh, but apart from that... <laughs> well, I mean, he ended up on the podium because Yates and Pino superbly cracked. Um, I don't know. I guess And Pozzavivo. Pozzavivo. I just thought there was... I believe the hype about uh, Superman Lopez before the this race, and he uh, ended up on the podium, but it sort of, it kind of came, it was very, no stage wins, no dynamic hey, race. But he stayed strong to the end. That's so right. He, he that didn't the fade. He didn't fade. Okay. Same with Carapaz, who finished fourth. Uh, you know, two two young riders. Yeah, Carapaz. <laughs> Movistar is going to send all their GC riders to Tour de France. We're going to talk about this, right? Cause, yeah, uh, yeah. Who this is a little segue, but uh, who is Movistar sending to tour? Are we thinking Quintana? everybody, <laughs> Quintana, Valverde, Landa, and uh, Soler. So that's four really, really strong. And Landa left Sky because there was too much. Yeah, because he too wasn't many... getting a li- the lead. Yeah, in a yeah. 
Guys, I'm going to go out on a hot steaming limb right now. <laughs> love it. Right here. I love it. On this recording, I'm picking all four of those guys for my fantasy team. <laughs> oh, Bodie just spit out beer. <laughs> That's spit take, folks. All right. Now, this has to happen now. It's going to happen. Okay. Yeah. It's going to happen. Assuming I can make it work with the numbers, because I'm sure that those That's are all going to be pricey there. riders. Yeah, you won't have, have anybody else. I'm going to have those guys and, and, and five four-point riders. Yeah. From... You left Cafetus will be like the rest of your squad. That's right. Yeah. Speaking of numbers, and I actually, this is what I meant to do for this episode, but I, I didn't do it, was I was really interested in the riders who gave you the most value, the points per point, as I, the term mm. that I coined, trademark. Um, so Tim, Tim Wellens in the beginning of the race was very, very valuable at the, he cost, I think, like eight points, and he, he had two stage wins. One. Just one? Just one. Wellens only won once. Yeah, I think he might have finished second to Bataglin on another one. Well, I had Patrick Conrad, and I bet you Patrick Conrad was a good value. I bet he so, was good value because he you ended know who up was top a really, 10. Good, really good value was Simon Yates, who scored you 148 points for every point of his cost. Yeah. Um, what about Sam Bennett? Bennett? Well, let's look. See, Bennett. Bennett, Bennett was, scored more than Viviani. Bennett was 12 points. Um, Bennett, I'm going to do a little, little, little calculator math here. Um, Bennett, 123, um, less than Simon Yates. Um, anyway, I, 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 didn't, I didn't do this homework. I was going to impress you all with some, some numbers and figures. But uh, yeah, points per point, points. It's kind of an interesting thing to look at uh, Love it. when picking your team. Yep. Uh, just to finish out the Giro, Simon Yates, I agree with uh, Mitchelton Scott's team that uh, he, we haven't seen the last of him. He's a legit GC contender, and, uh, and I think that he wins a Grand Tour in the next three years. Okay. Hot take, I say he doesn't. Oh. I say he wins a Grand Tour this year. Wow. Vuelta. Okay. Nice. Just put it out there. All right. So where are we going now? We got some other professional racing you wanted to talk about? Some crits or something like that, Bodie? Maybe you want to talk Wait. about the Hammer Series? <laughs> Hammer time. Yeah. So the Hammer Series is back. Yeah. Kind of overshadowed by stage <sighs> 20. Or was it, what stage of the Giro was it? Well, I mean, 19. The, yeah. 19, 20, and 21. Yeah. It was an unfortunate weekend. I mean, like, yeah. with regards. I actually had them both on at the same time yeah it was great uh, i mean it's streaming on facebook live so you could watch it i think and I twitter it. and probably on their After website the club right on saturday let me ask you guys this that the the this year they're doing three installments of the hammer yeah. series is that right yeah in fact Limburg is next week okay so last year it was just the one when mm -hmm. when what time of the year was hammer series last year I think it was just after the Giro. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say it was it was during a time when we could all devote our undivided attention to it and we were stoked to watch some cycling and it was the one thing that was on and and I felt like that was I felt like that was a really good time to put it in whenever it was last year because yeah. this year I just couldn't I didn't I couldn't divide yeah, I mean, my there attention. There was a lot Saturday we had Giro, we had Hammer then we had Winston Salem, so I mean, I pretty much watched cycling all day, um, but I didn't. I only watched the Hammer Sprint, mm. missed the climb that was on Friday, and I did not watch the Chase today. But Mitchelton yesterday. Scott, yesterday, well, wow, that's right. Today's Monday. Uh, Mitchelton Scott won. 
all days. They won all three days. And then the overall event. So yep. can't really make up for losing the Giro uh, with a few days ago, but that's got to help a little bit. Um, did you guys have anything? I mean, Matt, uh, did you have any, any hot takes on the Hammer Series this, this time around? I think uh, what was really interesting about it, it was really it looked beautiful where it was in Norway. Uh, Stavanger in yeah. Norway. Uh, really pretty. I mean, watching the World Championships last year and then watching this, you know, all the aerial shots made me like go, wow, I really would love to go to Norway. It looks absolutely gorgeous in the summer. Uh, but I think what was amazing was I think their team, you know, it's a team event and it's not like we're just throwing one guy at these things. We're going to use our guys efficiently. And it's and only I, four people. I forgot that it's only mm, five. Five? Five, yeah. Oh. They yeah, have five, five yeah. each team. Yep. Uh, but they used, I mean, for the, I mean, for the first two days, uh, both Daryl MP and... Uh, uh, a Swiss rider that they have. Klug. Albacini. Uh, so yeah, they, both, more they were just vacuuming up points. Uh, they rode super strong. And it wasn't, it's not like the sprint day isn't really traditional sprint day because it's getting into breaks on each lap and then being in those small break groups and then being able to... Sprinting from there. Yeah, sprinting from there. So... Even if you don't win the sprint, you're still like want to be consistently taking points in that top eight. I think that, yeah. that win the points, and uh, you know that strategically they just, I mean, they just well, hammered. They literally hammered everybody. Let me ask you this, Matt, because I didn't watch it, um, but I but I remember from watching last year um, that the organizers really pulled off a big coup last year, just in the way the race uh, shook out at the end with that fantastic finish, the sprint finish in the time trial. Yeah. I understand it wasn't quite as um, emotionally nail-biting uh, no. as it was last year, this year, that, that Mitchelton Scott just pretty well time-trialed their way and uh, and rode off the front of the time they trial rode, as well. They rode incredibly consistently on all, it was like three laps of the course, and they rode super consistently, and they were actually extending their lead on on everybody else um i think it was uh uh sunweb was second sky were in third in the in that in that uh chase and they all wiped out on uh, they overshot a corner and hit a curb um, that's what happens when you follow that first guy and he crashes. Yep. Oh yeah, I did. I actually saw crash right into the same then. thing yeah. that they, he hits. They ended up fifth, and I think was it BMC got third, or um, one of the other teams got third. Well, so but it is, wasn't there wasn't anybody in that race. Um, the the nobody yeah no there wasn't like any big drama at the end of like a bunch sprint on time trial bikes. Yeah, well, and if you remember from last year, everybody was so close going into that yeah. uh, chase that at times there were four or five teams riding, you know, neck and neck on the road. It was well, they, they were marshalling that a lot more this year. And in a way, I kind of think that's like to its detriment. I think it was kind of more exciting that they were actually drafting each other, but they were, yeah. they were really stopping them from doing that. Uh, this year well i have to catch the next one because i enjoyed that format and uh and hope that that continues so i, will... I think there's only four people on the team five there's four people in this photo yeah but there might be four at the finish on the thing, on the time they... trial yeah you could it's, finish you, with four yeah but you're you timed have have on five. the fourth rider yeah 
I'm looking at the podium photo of Mitchell and Scott spraying champagne everywhere, and there's only four of them. So unless the photographer or editor cropped out the fifth yeah. rider, which would be kind of a dick move. Or he was taking a little poop. <laughs> Steaming take right there. And missed uh, the podium. Uh, I, mean, I think you hold I'm pretty, it. I'm, I'm pretty sure there was five. All okay, right, well, let's, all right. let's move on from the Hammer series. Sure. And we'll just do a little half-ass internet research where you guys talk about that. Yeah. And, uh, well, the, the, the next thing, though, Bodie, is what you need to talk about because you're the one that watched the uh, Winston-Salem race. So why don't you uh, yeah, Back to some U.S. Uh, domestic pro racing. Okay, now I see five Mitchelson Scott guys. Okay. Yep, so he's back from pooping. Hmm. Huh, anyway. Uh, yeah, so also on Saturday we had the Winston-Salem uh, Classic, uh, which I don't actually know if the Classic refers to both days, but there is a Criterium and a UCI 1.1 road race um but saturday was a crit it's got the uh figure eight shape where they kind of go a little climb and there's an underpass so looks like a pretty cool course um so in the criterium um we had samantha snyder who won the women's race and colin joyce of rally who won the men's race you know what's interesting and speaking of doping we were sort of talking about doping guess who was racing in the winston-salem classic and I sent you a message. I sent you guys both a message. Uh, Mansebo? Yeah. yeah, yeah you know Phil, I mean? Phil Guyman's oh, favorite. Yeah, yeah. Mansebo was racing again. He raced there last year because I remember him in the road race when he got dropped. And I was like, yes. And also Oscar Sevilla. Oscar Sevilla. Wow. So I think, cause I think because this is a UCI uh, race and they are both on different, uh, maybe ones, I think Sevilla's on a, a Mexican team, possibly? I don't know. I think Mencibo, I think they're both on South American teams. And so this... Mexico it, is not in South America. Sorry. Okay, yeah, no. I actually don't know what team they're on. Um, <laughs> the whole point I'm trying to get across is that their their teams are taking part in the Americas Tour. Okay. So. Hmm. Uh, and neither of them won, right? No. So that's didn't. fine. That's good. So yeah. we're okay with that. They didn't get on the podium. But they're both like over 40. Yeah. Well, and you know. still riding really strong. Yeah. Time to turn them into glue. <sighs> like Davide uh, Rebellin. I think he's still racing. and uh, He's 46, 47. I, I don't know. He's like ancient. Yeah. Yeah. He's pretty. Well, I mean, yeah. Although when you look at the women's side of thing, like Tina Pick, who rides a Colavita Bianchi, or she's Cola, fifty, right? Colavita Bialetti, their new sponsor. Yeah, Ooh. she's fifty. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, one of the Colavita women got on the podium, and she brought up the little yeah. What do you call that? A little mocha mocha pot yeah. onto the podium, um, which it's percolator got me thinking because we we're really not into podium bikes, but and we've kind of talked about bringing objects onto the podium mm. our team is known to bring beer onto the podium from our sponsor yeah is is that okay like what wh why is it okay to bring a mocha pot on the podium versus your bike it is odd unless you're like actually gonna like spray it on people <laughs> uh and then drink and then drink it straight from the pot like steaming hot coffee <laughs> i'm okay with babe with babies on podiums and i'm okay with 
animals on podiums. So, yeah. so, so our own team should pick, we should should piglets. we not bring Urban South beer on the podium anymore? No, I, I'm definitely cool with beverages. Beverages have, are always welcome on the podium. Oh, and also giant cheeses, like huge wheels of cheese. Wait, that's always good. Oh, you, and, and also giant hats. Yes, Basque big Basque berets. No, no, but so, okay. What if you're sponsored by a cheese company? Can you bring? And that mm. cheese is not part of the race, but can you bring that wheel, that log? Wheel would be better. Wheel of cheese up to the podium. I would say only if there isn't uh, an event cheese sponsor that has their own wheel of cheese. You know, you wouldn't be able to do it then, would you? I'm going to go ahead and say that you can bring <laughs> sponsor products onto the podium if they fit within a certain shape area. If you, okay. a bike is is too large, yeah, um, bike is too large. A bike rack too large a beer a mocha pot um a hat those are all items that you know fit within the size of a pizza box a pig yeah okay i like about a pig small pig small goat large ox no too big for a podium (laughs) too big yeah okay you said goat and well okay i've been on a podium with a goat i like where this is going so let's look at our own sponsors and think of some of the things we could bring on uh, from from our sponsors. Well, beer, obviously. Beer, Urban South. Beer from Urban South. Uh, uh, Parker Barber, would would you want to rock one of those, like, the, 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 the things that you wear, the smock that you wear around when you no, uh, man, get you your hair cut? No, you bring snip, a hairdresser snip, snip. and you get your hair cut while you're on the podium. That's bigger than a pizza box. Okay, that's true. All right. Uh, yeah, that is or bigger than a pizza box. maybe you shave yourself while on the podium. Oh, you could bring in the little... Uh, horse hair yeah. Uh, yeah. brush thing. I kind of like the idea of like shaking out the, the, the smocks <laughs> that you put and we're wrapping that around your neck right before the podium and shot. covering up the rest of the sponsors on the jersey. Uh, mm-hmm. Maxwell we could definitely definitely bring like a, a nice uh, lettuce juice? bowl or a juice. Yeah, they, juice yeah, a little juice. more appropriate. Yeah, yeah. That would be, that what would be about uh, Search Influence? Can we bring some SEO up? Keyboard. There? Keyboard. <laughs> Laptop. I would bring it like a Chromebook or yeah. something. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, Tim's quality car, car care. That one gets a wrench. Yeah, sort of one of the like a tire, uh, a, 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 a tire drill. A tire uh, drill. Pneumatic, <laughs> a pneumatic uh, tire thing. Yeah. Okay. A pneumatic tire thing. <laughs> yeah. No. I think I think we should do that. All right. That's well. All right. Now we know. Next uh, tour de la, we're gonna have to bring some props. We should bring all of them at once. Wait. Like and- had like. A big basket full of stuff. Bodhi, lest we forget your employer. My employer, Emoto Photo. of our jersey. Um, Bring a camera. Camera, obviously. Yeah, camera. Camera's pretty Take obvious. Take pictures of everybody else from the podium. <laughs> that would be that would be novel. That would be yeah. gra- gramming the grammar. I was thinking about bringing like a copy of a f- Photoshop on like a CD-ROM. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Are we forgetting a sponsor? Uh, um, yeah, you ride. Oh, yeah. yeah, you're right. Yeah. You guys can all come up on the podium. And podca- and live podcasting. Yeah. If, oh, no. If it's one of yeah, us... No, yeah, you, you're right. You do that yourself. We would take a, a giant steaming turd and light it <laughs> on fire. There you go. That's, that's pretty good. Hot yeah. steaming take yeah. okay. on the podium. All right. all right. Well, back to Winston-Salem. Uh, today, there was a road race. Um, didn't watch many, much of it. That was Pat- Sunday again, right? No, today. Oh, it was today. today. Okay. Literally today. Memorial Day. Yeah, uh, had it on the background while I was on going down YouTube rabbit holes trying to learn how to be a better photographer. Um, Lily Williams from Hoggins Berman Superman mm-hmm. won today. Okay. Uh, she's had a really good year. Um, she won Sunny King in that rainstorm. So just wanted to note that. She's, she's riding strong. And Sam Bassetti out of Elevate KHS 
won the men's race today. Huh. With okay. Colin, Colin Joyce got third. They were all in a break together um, the last few laps, and he kind of attacked two corners out, and no one chased him down. How so. long of a race was that, Bodie? Uh, ten laps for the men, probably. It's probably like a hundred miles. Okay. Yeah. It's a hot, hot day for a long road Maybe race. Maybe hundred k. Huh? I don't know. Actually, a hundred miles, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Well, so. speaking of speaking of guys that are riding really strong right now, do you guys mind if we segue into some local Lambra news and uh, talk about some of the guys that are riding really strong in our region? Peter Reed is who I wanted to talk about, who is yeah, crushing yeah. it in Lambra right now. He won the uh, individual time trial that we uh, participated in, what was that, two or three weeks ago now. And I, I uh, just blanked that from my memory. Yeah, and uh, won the Feliciana Road Race uh, on Sunday. Yeah, it was it was a warm day. You were there. You raced. I was there taking photos. Um, this will all factor into who Your mom there. was there officiating? It's kind of a family affair for the, for the boating hymers. She was not officiating, but she was there. She was not officiating. Uh, no. Okay. You didn't realize that? I didn't realize she wasn't <laughs> officiating. I saw your mom. She's a USAC official, and she was in the official's tent. I just put two and two together oh, and came she, up with you know, four. She was just hanging out with her bros, her official her officiating bros. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was there taking photos, and... I was listening to race radio, and I got to admit, it's kind of fun to listen to, finger quote, race radio uh, mm. from a Lambert race. There is an app called Zello. It's a walkie-talkie app, yep. and you can Familiar download with it. That. And all the wheel trucks at the race and lead cars have the app. And so as a photographer, not anybody's photographer, just my own photographer, I download the app, and I like to listen so I know where the, where the, where the groups are on the road and where I can try to photograph them. And I had done this race. I photographed it last year, and so I was trying to think what could I do different, um, how could I get some new angles, and it's really tough because a crit, you can, you, they come by a million times. You're able to right. sort of find good spots and, and where's the lighting at and go there and, and you know, practice a few times and, and set up a composition. Mm. But this one, I really, I, what I did was I went around the 22-mile loop backwards one time. And that was allowed me to see various groups multiple times, okay, um, which was kind of fun. And it was it was really hot. And a few times I tried to jump off into the trees to get shots from like the sides of the road, but I got attacked by horseflies. Oh, it was terrible. <laughs> I can were, I can tell you that from from riding that yeah, race, they just were brutal. Awful. They were attacking you while you were riding. Oh yeah, yeah. They're fast horseflies. Or well, no. So slow. they I, they get into can... your slipstream and they just sit on you as yeah. you're riding. Doesn't matter how fast you're going. They're, you on the ass. They sit on the, they sit on your ass exactly yeah. on the back of you. Yeah. So there's no wind coming at them. Um, literally, they are sucking your sucking your wheel, but it's not your wheel they're sucking. It's yeah. literally your ass that they're sucking. Mm-hmm. So speaking and of not hurts. sucking ass, and and to and I kind of segued here, but uh, Peter Reed won the one two three race. Um, in that race, I think at mile one or two, Scott Cuppersmith went off the front, built up a five minute gap. Uh, it's a hot day; they're doing eighty eight miles. Eventually, he got brought back. Um, not really sure what happened, but I think there was a bunch of counterattacks. And when they, 
we, I was posted up the finish to get the uh, finish line sprint. And when they came into sight, because Feliciana has a, a climb, yeah, a big climb. And once again, <laughs> finger quotes for Louisiana. And then about, I don't know, maybe a kilometer yeah, to not, the finish. I don't think it's yeah, even maybe a half K. Maybe it's yeah. pretty long. Though. I think it's like seven, eight hundred meters, something like that. I, I guess that really depends on where you would say that climb ends, and, where and then the, yeah. the the thing starts from the bottom of the climb to the finish line. It's probably a little more than a K, uh, and it's only the first you know hundred meters of that climb that are really really pitchy, and then it kind of levels out, and then it really flattens out it's kind of a false flat for about 500 meters to the finish line well hopefully our listener jeff phillips and last year podium actually race winner will send us an email and let us know the distance from the finish line to the top of red bug anyway when they came into view i realized it was peter reed and jack white who were in pretty much a flat out sprint to win and uh, peter peter was able to get him and great to see, like you said, Peter's been winning races this year, riding really strong. Jack White also just kind of burst through that ceiling last year and is, is crushing it. He won a one, two, three race, a few, I think, a few weeks ago, and he beat Peter Reed. So they were kind of joking about it as a little bit of a comeback, uh, a little bit of payback. Uh, and friend of the pod, Bo Dennis, won the group sprint for third. Wow. Try right. Cat three crusher uh, working his way to cat two. That's a really so yeah. Strong finished ride. finished third overall and and um, obviously on the top step of the the special uh, threes podium that they had for that race as well. I saw. And our teammate, uh, Mr. Daniel Swan, won the cat four race. He yeah. did indeed. No thanks to uh, me, <laughs> but. Uh, I heard, I heard you were um, slowing down everybody else, right? That's right. I tried my best uh, yeah. to, to drop anchor in the back. Uh, I actually, when the USAC results get printed, though, I'll have that little uh, banner next to my name because my teammate won. So that counts for something. An assist? Yeah. An yeah. Assist. Wait, what? Yeah, you know, in the USAC results, if you're, uh, if you have a, if you're on the same team as the any of the people on the podium you have a little you have a little ribbon next to your name oh yeah. i didn't know that okay yeah, that's what that little ribbon means uh, we should also give a shout out uh to guest of the pod hopefully maybe friend of the pod stephanie smith she won the women's race and our teammate uh emily gas uh, got second yeah they there was they attacked the group at some point i think i think emily said mile one or two they attacked the women's open group and she was the only one who could follow and when i saw them coming around i took photos of them they were riding together sort of a two-man two-person time trial and then emily said that at some point emily did her pull pulling off stephanie attacked her yeah and she couldn't she couldn't bridge up and stephanie ended up winning by over five minutes too i heard i don't i was not there able to get the finish but yeah so and then in the women's 4-5 race, our teammate Christina Larson uh, finished third, a plan well executed. We had some chatter on our Urban South uh, message boards about how the, how the women wanted to play that race, and uh, Elise and Christina were in that together and really wanted to put one of the two of them on the podium, and I think Bodie and Matt, Aaron, everybody gave them some good advice, and, and the, the plan worked. Christina, uh, excuse me, Elise worked really hard for Christina, who was able to uh, tire out the rest of the women and, and uh, consolidate a third-place finish. Now, I, 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 I was surprised when Elise mentioned that that is only one lap, that race. Um, 
and that's a women's four five race, right? Yeah. Um, the men's four race is three laps. It and is. And the men's five race is two laps. And the women's open race is actually only two laps as well. Really? That really surprises me. Uh, yeah. I, I, knowing those women, I think I would say pretty much, well, no, I'm not going to say pretty much. I'm saying all of them are capable of riding two laps. And, we, and the women's open race, they're capable of riding three laps. Well, uh, I mean, yes. If I'm capable I mean, of riding capable three of laps, Stephanie, then Stephanie Smith is yeah. definitely no, yeah, capable I'm not, of I'm riding not trying, that. Yeah, what I'm trying to say, I guess, yes, I'm saying this in a very crude and, and uh, not very elegant way, but it just seems like they could go further. Yeah, two laps seems a little short for the Women's Open. I mean, we've seen in the past uh, Jessica DeMello ride with the Cat 4s instead of the Women's Open, I think, A, to get a longer race we've seen and stephanie smith ride with the men's one two threes as well yeah and interesting that this race though speaking of, of lap counts that there was a poll in the race uh facebook event wondering if they question if maybe we could, they could shorten the race the one two threes to three laps as opposed to four which was 88 miles for 66 because of the heat um i think it is tough to race 88 miles, or I, I do, I know it's tough. I don't experience in the southern Louisiana heat. Um, I think we got lucky this this weekend because it wasn't as hot as it could have been. Yeah, I know it was warm, but I think it, you know, I don't know. It's it's tough to ride that far in this southern Louisiana heat and humidity, um, especially when you're not starting until you know nine nine o'clock. And yeah. you know, I remember in years past that's the start time has been de- debated, and then you know half the crew who live around are like, "Yeah, let's start it earlier." Then half the Lambert folks who are coming from northern Mississippi would like, "We appreciate being able to drive in," you know. And so it's it's tough. You can't please everybody. I don't actually don't know the solution to these things, but I do know that. Sometimes I feel like there should be no racing between the months of May and October in Louisiana. And we should do all our racing between like November and April. Mm. Cross only. <laughs> uh, well, a couple quick points uh, about the race. Great turnout. The weather, the weather uh, turned out to be very nice. There was The pre-reg was low because there was a threat of a tropical storm that did not materialize. Huge day of registration. Big fields. Good turnout. Thanks, everybody for uh coming out the event was really well organized to the point about uh the women's open race being a little short yes maybe it was but uh kudos to the race directors equal payouts for the men and the women in that race and that i know is very uh very big uh especially for the women and just for the sport i think it's uh it's a good model to follow so i think the race was great go race um put it on so kudos to those guys for uh throwing a great race and look forward to getting back up there again next year yeah totally agree uh chris and jared always put on a really good event and i was able to snag the last container of pastalaya yeah Um, that's that's the highlight of that race i think that uh, he made too much well last year that he had too much left over so this year he tried to make it to fit that amount and then we had a, such a big turnout that he ran out and uh, I think he gave me some from his personal stash but I very much appreciate it and I 
traded him podium photos. Always so. tough to gauge the amount of pastelaya one needs to make. It's surprisingly good after I really didn't eat uh, yesterday or during the during taking photos of the race, and it's I mean it's good anyway, but it's it's yeah. really good when you're starving. Yep. Uh, we've got the Tour de Louisiana coming up in or Tour de Louisiane coming mm-hmm. up in uh, two weeks. Not this weekend, but next. That's the biggest, oldest stage race in the area. I think this is the 47th or 48th year in a row. According to Randy, it's the longest running stage race in America. Wow. So okay. well, we'll have to have Randy on the podcast to talk really about that. We really need to have Randy on the podcast. Mm. Um, maybe we can see if we can get him for next week. Maybe we can. Uh, always a good show. I won't be around. Uh, are you guys planning on going? Uh, yes, I am planning on going. I uh, yes, I am too. Great. Well, mm-hmm. just got to decide whether I'm going to race Masters or Cat Four. Whew. I would say Cat Four. Yeah. Mm. Although in Feliciana Road Race, I'd have been better off, I think, doing the Masters race. You think their, their pace was slower? Yeah. Was it? Yeah. There were some pretty fast Masters at the front of that field. Yeah, there was. Woody Boudreaux went off the front. He yeah. he actually passed us. They started <laughs> they started ten minutes behind us. Uh, and he passed us and finished um, in front of us. But we finished in front of the main master's field, even though we had been riding most of the last two laps of that race by ourselves. So I feel like that was maybe um, given the given the way the race panned out. You never know. I mean, if I'd have raced masters, I probably would have gotten dropped and then wished I'd raced cat fours. The fact of the matter is, I'm not either a Masters or a Cat 4 racer. I'm Cat 5 for life, and I should have stayed there. Bodie, can I downgrade? Nope. <laughs> you can never downgrade to Cat 5, and no one is Cat 5 for life. Everybody can be Cat 4 for life, though. Remember that, kiddos. Yeah. Cat 5 is for beginners. Doesn't matter how fast you are. It's just, yeah, experience thing. Yeah, I just hope the cross season hurries up and get here. <laughs> All Anything right. else, guys? Um... Well, I don't, uh, internationally coming up, we've got Tour de Romandy starts, not Tour de Romandy, we've got the Criterium <laughs> de Dauphiné starts next weekend Is that as well. a big crit series? Yes, it's a big crit around the uh, Southern Alps. Down Dauphine Street? Yeah. Uh, it's a big warm-up for the tour. Who's going to be at the tour? I thought the Giro was a warm-up for the tour. Oh, uh, No. Uh, no, the Dauphiné is the traditional warm-up for the tour. There's usually it features some of the climbs that feature mm. in the Alps in the tour, um, in, especially in the Alp Maritime kind of area. So uh, that'll be a good one to watch for seeing whose form looks good leading up to the tour. Uh, some riders do that. Some riders do the Tour de Suisse, so, which is the following week. So we've got those coming up. Um, we've also got the Hammer Limburg coming up this weekend home of the cheese I, I, I hope they have a cheese on the podium i hope to see some nice. cheese in the little fondue yeah <laughs> well we'll talk about all of that and more on next week's episode uh one final thought for you gentlemen uh quick hot take round table discussion on this one mm-hmm. uh will chris Froome either want to race or be allowed to race the tour de france this year wow yes he will yes both I think he wants to race the Tour de France, and I think he will race the Tour de France. Oh, but also, you know who else is going with him? Egan Bernal. Um, I I guess yes, yes to both your questions. I 
Yeah. I'm going to say, just for the sake of being a contrarian, no. Mm. Okay. Fifth Tour de France. Fourth uh, Grand Tour in a row? Yeah. Uh, Merckx has done a. it. Merckx is the only other one who's done that. Some- he won four in a row. Yeah. Something will happen in the Salbutamol case between now and the start of the tour. That's and the, not what I've been hearing. And the That's- tour organizers will take it as an opportunity to keep the focus on the racing and off of the drama, and Chris Froome will not be allowed to race the Tour de France. Okay. All right. All right. Well, we'll see if that pans out. And, uh, and that's how I'm signing off. I'm done. This off? is a okay. T-bone. That's it. All Word. Right. Mic All drop. Right. All right. This is Socherio uh, saying it's uh, summer's pretty much here in Louisiana. Uh and uh, I did a great job working on my tan lines today. Good night. And this is the Bodhi Bodhi saying, please send us any questions, comments, or concerns to yayurad at gmail.com. In case anybody was wondering, we think that Richard Carapaz at two, 211 points per point was your most valuable asset in fantasy cycling. Good night. <laughs>